the holiday thing is uh, a touchy subject. And let's start by getting a verse of scripture, Matthew chapter 2. We'll, we'll start there. There we go. There's Matthew. Matthew chapter 2, verse 11. Uh, speaking of the wise men, verse 11, and when they were come into the house, they weren't at the manger, they were at the house, when they saw the young child, not the infant, with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense, and myrrh. That's an example in the Bible of people giving gifts. The idea of giving a gift is a good thing. This time right now is, uh, that's what a lot of people are into. And I grew up with Christmas. There's a lot of good memories. And we need to be careful that we don't, uh, in, in the art of logic and argumentation, there's a fallacy called guilt by association. What that means is, if you find out that pagans worship trees, and then if someone has a tree, you say they're a pagan, well, that's called a fallacy. That's guilt by association. We don't want to be guilty of doing that. Because pagans also sing, so that means we can't sing. You, you, you see what I mean? We got to be real care careful. Well, Santa gives gifts, so this giving gifts. I mean, if, if you give gifts and you're a pagan like you know Santa, in in argumentation, that would be thrown out as well. That's a fallacy because you're you're doing guilt by association. And we need to be real careful. I made this mistake in the early days. You do some research and you do some studying online, and you find out Christmas, the origin of it was pagan. You say that's a pagan holiday. But if you make the leap and say people that celebrate Christmas are pagan, you know what you call that? Guilt by association fallacy. It's not true. And we need to be careful of it. Now, that's one of the mistakes I made when I first started reading about this. Just because someone puts up a Christmas tree, just because someone takes their kids to go see Santa, just because someone celebrates Christmas, that does not mean in any way that they are pagan people. Make sense? Um, I had a good time with it. I was, well, I was born in 1972. And in 1977, Star Wars came out. In 1980, The Empire Strikes Back came out. In 1983, Return of the Jedi came out. You can say that about this church. It's okay. Well, what I'm saying is, living during that time, and then Christmas during those years, I mean, it was all those toys associated to those to, to, to those movies. This how this how commercialism and things are sold. The movies push the what's going to sell. Man, I had an original, I had an original Millennial Falcon. Did, did you have one, brother? I had one of the originals. Man alive, that thing, if I had it today, it'd be worth a couple hundred bucks. I had all the original Star Wars uh, figurines. I'm not saying that to try to boost, you know, sales and I, for, for anybody, so don't misunderstand me. What I'm saying is this. I don't believe the Force should be with you. <laughs> Look, I believe we have the Holy Spirit. 
My parents didn't know. They didn't research this stuff. I didn't know. I didn't research this stuff. We just need to be real careful that we just don't start throwing stones at people. We had a big show, Night Rider. It was a talking, uh, a talking car. And so what was big back in those days was model, model cars. So we'd get one every, every year. And it was one where you had to unpack it and you had to put it together. You had to follow the instructions, use critical clink thinking. Uh, they, you, you had to use glue and put it together. Now, you know, they can't sell them with glue because the glue's toxic. You don't want the kid to smell it because he'll die. You know, all that stuff. They don't even make toys like that anymore. Got a Corvette Stingray. Every year I got a different one. You know what? Dad sat down at the table and we went through that thing. And, and that was some good, good memories. And then, and then we had the greatest toy ever invented in the lifetime of mankind came out when I was growing up. The big wheel. <laughs> the big wheel came out. <laughs> and I had the Cobra, which was, you know, it was, it was a black big wheel. And on either side, it had a Cobra, man. You can ride that thing as fast as you, you turn the wheel. You'd, you'd spin yourself around doing a, a, you can do more than a 360, like a 720, turn yourself around. We finally got the one that had the brake on it. had a yellow brake. Go as fast as you want, put that brake on, start skidding out. And those were good times. Those were good times. And those memories. Well, in the early 80s, this game Battleship finally came out with an electronic version. So it was a big deal because we were waiting, waiting, waiting. Are we going to get electronic Battleship? And sure enough. We open up, and there it is, electronic battleship. Oh, and then the second greatest gift given came out when I was a kid. So I think it was 1980. The Rubik's Cube. Remember the Rubik's Cube? I try to figure the thing. and I could always get one side, and then I would just get frustrated because me and my brother and my sisters, we, 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 we'd, we'd uh, see who can figure it out first. And, of course, I cheated. I just took the stickers off. Here I win. <laughs> But look, what am I saying? What am I saying? Those gifts were given to us by our mom and dad, not because they were pagan people, but because they loved their kids. <laughs> That's why we did what we did. Second Corinthians nine, verse number seven, the Bible says, every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or out of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Now, I'm the oldest of six. Why my dear old Italian mother decided to have another child after me, I don't know. I was a lot to handle. But she did. But she did. And she loved giving. She just had a giving heart. She would have more kids if she could. We, we have my two youngest sisters are, are adopted from Korea. And my mom, before that, my mom and dad served as foster parents. There was always, always trying to give and care for uh, children that were less fortunate than we were. Now, my dad worked two jobs. He was a phys ed teacher. Phys ed teachers have the summer off. So then he farmed. And that's how we learned to work because at, you know, 10 years old, he'd have us up 
early in the morning. We'd get in the truck. He'd take us to the farm. We, we, and that's what we did. That's what we did. And as we got older, we worked more hours. And as we got older, we got more responsibility. But they're not paid. Look, parents celebrating Christmas aren't, you, you can't say they're all pagan people. That is an unfair statement. You have a lot of giving people that just are doing what they've always done. Every year, um, I still get a Christmas present. Now, it doesn't say from Santa because. Now, this, this is my mom. She sent me a shirt for my birthday. And shirt was too big. I said, Mom, shirt's too big. Where'd you buy it? She bought it at a store that's not around here. I said, well, I can't. Nowhere for me to take it back. It's like an hour away. You know what she said? Well, why don't you just give it to somebody who needs it? And I'll send you another one. Now, that's that's the type of person my mom is. And so, brought it in. That's the shirt gave to uh, Brother Chris. I said, I said to my mom, I said, I know, I know just who uh, this shirt's going to go to. And so, there, you got a shirt from my mom, Chris. It's, that's the kind of person she is. She's just a giving, caring person. And Christmas Eve, we had a lot of good memories. We'd always go to Grandmom and Grandpop's house. He'd pile us all in. We'd go over there. And, you know, it's the old Italian tradition. You got to have fish. Uh, and, it, it, you know, it was supposed to be the seven feasts, the seven fishes, a big feast for Italian families. But uh, we didn't have all seven. But we had we had the fish. We had the pasta. We had the Italian pastries. We had and all around the table. Our whole family, uh, my uncle, grand, grand, we had, there's like 15 people around the table. You know what that is? That's called family getting together, loving on each other. That's all that is. That's all that is. So fast forward, raising our two older kids, guess what we did? Christmas. That's what we did. And we had a family tradition. Every year we'd go put the lights on the tree, and my daughter and I, we'd fight about it. If I was going to put the lights going around the tree, she thought they should go this way. And, you know, one second. If I wanted to put them one second, she said, no, they should go around. If I wanted to start at the top, she said, no, we should start at the bottom. Want to start at the bottom? She said, no, that we should start at the top. We had a fight about Christmas lights. And it became this big tradition. Now, some traditions you should throw away. That's probably one of them. But you know what? That's not being a pagan. That's trying to create memories for your family, whether they be good or bad. Matter of fact, we thought the idea of Christmas was so great. That, see, we lived on two acres. And if you live in New Jersey, you live anywhere in the Northeast, the taxes are astronomical. Astronomical. You wouldn't believe what we paid for two acres of land in New Jersey. A lot of money. So we wanted to figure out a way. We had this acre of land on a corner. Or our house was on the corner, but the front acre of it, it was two acres. The front acre was just bare land right on the corner of a pretty heavily trafficked area. So we said, what could we do to make some money to put into our taxes? You know what we did? We sold Christmas trees. Now, you can drive, you can drive three hours from where we live you can go into the rural areas of Pennsylvania and they will have growers of Christmas trees. 
and you pull into the, and all it is is farms of Christmas trees. Douglas firs, Fraser firs, balsams, you name it, they have it. A minute. Now, you want to get your kids to learn how to work. You get them selling Christmas trees. Because those things, they're heavy. You got to lift them. You got to handle them like half a dozen times before you sell them. You got to load them on the truck, then you got to load them off the truck. Then you got to load them onto the stand to display them. And then when the person comes, you got to pick it up and then you got to put it in the baler. Then when it comes out of the baler, you got to pick it up again and put it on their, on their car. Now, at that time, we were saved, saved people selling Christmas trees. Can you believe it? And you know what we do? Every time somebody would leave our, our, our driveway, they would leave with a Christmas tree. And guess what else they'd leave with? A gospel track. Tell them how to get saved and know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. It was a 25 day, there was an ordinance in town. You could do that if it was 25 days or less. And then you didn't have to get a permit, a license, and all that. So we, we went, because in the Northeast, you need a license to do everything. <laughs> you want to breathe, you need a license. And so we took, we took the money we made in 25 days, and we made enough money to pay half of our yearly taxes. And so we took all that money down and, and paid it. Well, I think I told you this before. Uh, 1997, I got saved shortly thereafterwards. I had did what most Catholics will do when they get saved. They ended up getting into their hand the book by Hislop called Two Babylons. How many of you have heard of Two Babylons? Okay. If you haven't, it's in the back library. You can grab it and read it. It's a heavy read, but it's got some interesting information about the holidays. So I'm reading through this and I'm thinking to myself, nobody must know this. And I thought in my head, I, I, I have to tell the church I was going to, I have got to tell these men. We had this, this I think it was a Tuesday morning we did it, but it was a 6 a.m. Bible study. And I'm all excited because I'm going to, I got to tell these guys about the holidays. So I run in and I tell them, and that did not go over well. My approach was not the way it should have been. And anyway, they said, you know, you really need to back off of that. That's not why we do it, all this. And I said, okay, you know, being a new Christian and all, I figured it's best for me to get in line and, and listen. What do I know? Well, I told you that again to tell you this. When we were selling those Christmas trees, oh, I've got a hold of some preaching about the holidays. And we had sold, with two seasons, we had done the trees, two. And what you have to do is you got to order your trees no later than August 1st. Because if you don't, you will not get trees. Because there's plenty of people buying trees. So you got to buy them in July. You got to put your order and your deposit down in July, no later than August 1st, so that you can get your pickup or your delivery uh, two days before Thanksgiving. Or you won't get trees. She got a hold of some, some teaching on the holidays. It was after the second season. It's in the summer. And so she, she said, have you, have you listened to these messages yet? These sermons yet? I said, no. She goes, maybe you ought to. 
So I started listening to the first one I started listening to. I pointed on my bookshelf as the preacher's preaching. I said, uh, I can tell you exactly what book he's reading out of. I pointed to my book, History to Babylon. I said, this is not new information. But I started listening a little more intently. I got that book back out and started cross-referencing what the preacher was saying. I started thinking and praying. My wife did with what every godly wife would do. She put it on me to say, well, what are you going to do about trees this year? <laughs> I said, I don't know. I said, I don't know what I'm going to do. So I wrestled with that thing for about three days. And the Lord was really working on me. The way I looked at it was, I'm either going to respond to the truth that's been put in front of me and obey God, or I am going to desire the mammon. So I, I struggled with that for about three days. I had an order place, and I was supposed to send my deposit in. And I called the fellow up, and I said, you know, I think I'm going to call it quits on the, on the Christmas tree venture. And he said, what? He said, you've been doing good. You know, this is your third year. You're ordering more trees. I said, no. I said, I, I'm just going to call it quits on it. He said, why? I said, I said, I'm a Christian. And I recently just got convicted about some things concerning uh, why everybody does these holidays. And I said, I, I don't want to judge anybody or condemn anybody. But just for me, I just don't feel right about doing it. I said, if you just want to pass my order, I had 300 trees ordered that year. I said, if you just want to pass my order on to someone else, that was just fine by me. And, and he said, okay, we parted ways, uh, you know, with no animosity or anything like that. But these decisions aren't easy to make. Now, we had, at the time, what I was working as, I was uh, uh, I was a martial art instructor. That's what I did for 16 years. And so my friend, he, we, we dress him up as Santa because every year we have a Christmas party. Um, and uh, he said, so we had him dressed as Santa. I said, uh, you come to Christmas party. You're going to come to Santa Claus. Bring all the candy canes. The kids want to have some candy canes. You bring the candy canes. Well, he forgets the candy canes. So he shows up in his Santa outfit. I said, where's the candy canes? You can't have Santa without candy canes. He runs out to his, his, his car. He's the only thing I got is a bag of oranges. So he came in and gave all the kids oranges out of the bag of oranges. And so I, once we got convicted about the Santa Claus, I told him, well, we're not going to be Santa anymore. He goes, what? I'm not going to be Santa? Why not? And so I told him. Well, fast forward to the Christmas tree thing. When I got rid of the Christmas tree, <laughs> he would come buy a Christmas tree off of us. So I told him, I said, oh, Bill, we're, we're not going to do trees anymore. He goes, why not? And so I told him, he goes, what? What are you doing? What are you thinking? What are you doing? Look, I know how this thing comes across to you. They think you're crazy. They think you're crazy. I get it. I understand. Church, we're going. They wanted. We're going to small independent Baptist church in New Jersey. There's not many of them, but the pastor there, he had found out we didn't celebrate Christmas. I think it was the first year, or second year we weren't doing it, and I don't know how he found out, but he did. Maybe I told him. He said to me, uh, weren't you the guy that was selling them? 
I said, yes, sir. And I went on to give him a testimony. I told him why and all that. And we had this guy going there, Fred. I won't tell you his last name in case there's a miracle that he's listening. But Fred, he had the sweetest wife. He had the sweetest Christian wife you can have, a guy can have. Very friendly, very nice. Fred would not talk to me. He just wouldn't. Except when December 1st hit. Then it was Merry Christmas. Every time I'd come, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. He would make a point to say Merry Christmas because he knew I didn't celebrate Christmas. So Fred, I think it was Christmas, the Christmas Eve service, something like that. Fred, he, he comes in and he gives me. Now, if you don't know, any, if you don't know anything about Longwood Gardens, I'll, I'll tell you this so the story makes sense. It's a botanical gardens in, in, in uh, Kennett Square, PA. And it advertises itself as the most, you know, the best Christmas display light botanical garden thing you can go to. It's sold out like every year. It's a big deal. Huge, big tree lit up. Well, every year, Fred just takes his wife to Longwood Gardens. It's a very popular thing in the Northeast. They don't talk to me all year. December 1st, how's it going? Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. And then the, the service before Christmas, he gives me this big old postcard with him and his wife standing before this tree. <laughs> he says, Merry Christmas. I said, Thank you, Fred, and Merry Christmas to you. <laughs> uh, now, Pastor wanted to know why I was the whole Christmas thing. I, I forget even how we got into the conversation. I probably forced it knowing my personality. But we were sitting in his office, and he, and he said, well, I, I said, well, you know, here's what the Bible says, and here's what we're, what we're doing. And I can tell you right now, attitude is everything. Who would go into a pastor's office and start wearing him out about how he does Christmas? Me. <laughs> and, and it was wrong. It was wrong. It was a wrong approach with a wrong attitude with some ammunition in my gun. That is not good Christian character. There's a way to approach these things. There's a time and a place to have the conversation. But you know what that is? That's called just being in the flesh. And we need to be careful that we don't grab some truth and start using it like rapid fire ammunition on other Christians who may see it different. First Corinthians 8 verse 1 says, Knowledge Puffeth up. What edifies? Charity edifieth. And you know what I had? Some knowledge. You know what I didn't have? Charity. And it is really easy to make somebody feel. That there's one thing they hear truth or convicted. There's another thing for your attitude and for your character to come across as holy and high and mighty and puffed up. And we don't want to be like that. We don't want to be known as the church that is like that. I don't believe that we are, but as, way of, but as a way of testimony, my attitude was not the way it ought to have been when it counted. Because first impressions matter. They really do. Go to Matthew 7. First impressions matter. In 
verse number 12, Matthew 7, verse 12, the Bible says, Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. And we all know the verse after verse 12. We should get a hold of verse number 12. All things. If you want someone to treat you a certain way, treat them a certain way. And if you treat somebody a certain way, don't be surprised if you get it back. Okay? Now, my friend, I told you who does dress up at Santa, and I told him, yeah, we're not dressing up as Santa anymore. And, you know, he's good about it. And then, and then the whole tree thing. I said, no, you don't come over and buy trees. We're not doing the trees anymore. What, what are you doing? Fortune, what are you doing? So what he did, he said, uh, you all know I, I run the business, the good fight, and we work these tournaments and all. Well, a lot of the ones in the Northeast I stopped going to. So one of the staff members asked my friend, Bill, I said, um, Hey, can we put a little Christmas tree up on the registration table? And he, and he and he really puffed the idea up. He goes, you know what? That's a phenomenal idea. I really think you should get one, a really nice one. Let's put some gold medals on it and some silver medals on it and really make it good. And then uh, we'll take a picture of that and we'll send it to the boss man. Now, he knew where I stood on the whole holidays thing. But the staff members who had the idea had no idea. So when they send me the picture, I said, oh, very nice. I said, you do know that I don't celebrate Christmas. Now the phone rings, says by text. We had no idea. Bill said, yeah, there it is. <laughs> so you know what I got a picture of this year at the Halloween celebration time? They were running a tournament up north, and I get a picture of all the – they had all the referees dressed in Halloween costumes run the tournament Halloween. They sent me a picture of that. Yeah. You know what? That's, that's Matthew 7. That's Matthew 7, verse 12. Whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, you give it out, you better be ready to – you better be ready. If you dish it out, you better be ready to take it. And that's just the way it goes. So you know what you got to do? You got to laugh about it. You got to laugh about it. You got to have a good attitude about it. I've dished enough out where I've got, I better be, I better be able to take it. Better be able to take it. Of course, I told him if I come to the next one, I won't bring a thing of diesel and a lighter. Light it up. You know why this is important to talk about? These conversations are important to have. I'm thinking of a man right now who skated through Bible school because his brain was so like a sponge. He just picked things up quickly. He knew more Bible. You're, you look, it's coming. You're, you got a preacher who started Bible school, which, by the way, that's not in the Bible either. <laughs> uh, we, we still can do it to learn and all that. But I didn't start Bible school until I was 40. I went into it thinking my brain was as fresh as it was when I was 25, but it wasn't. I'm thinking, man, right now, he knew more Bible than everybody in the, in the school, everybody at the church. 
no holidays, no nothing. I mean, he, he, he was as right as you can be. Except he wasn't because he couldn't treat his wife right. And the marriage fell apart. But he knew all the history behind the holidays. Let me ask you something. What do you want? You want a miserable life and a miserable family and a, and a, and a, and a miserable marriage. But bless God, we don't celebrate the pagan holidays. Character matters. The way that you treat people matters more than the doctrine that you espouse to. Does that make sense? There's something that is more important and we got to get a hold of that in our hearts. <clears throat> which will bring us to Matthew 15. Matthew 15. The Bible says in Matthew 15, verse number 19, <clears throat> for out of the heart, Proceed evil thoughts, and it goes on and lists those evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things that defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. And if you and I think we can make everything look good on the outside, that is a wrong starting point. It's the heart that matters. These conversations are, are very healthy to have. We all know thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy what? Heart. All that heart. We had a lady call last week. She called the church line. Spoke to her about five minutes. She said, uh, she's all the way out in the boonies somewhere two, three hours away in Tennessee. And she said, but listen to you online. I like what you have to say about holidays and listen to those messages. I'm just wondering, do you know if any church in my area takes a stand on that? I said, I don't. Sorry, ma'am, I don't. I said, um, are you going to church now? She said, yes, I am. And every year it's a big to do and make you know, a big thing and make it a big. And it's, it's just like Jesus kind of gets pushed aside for a little bit. And then January 1st, he comes back in. You know why I asked her that question? I asked that question for this reason. There is an attitude that comes along with some King James Bible-believing independent Baptists where they can't get along with anybody and they can't go to church anywhere. That's an attitude problem. It's not a doctrine problem. So typically I ask people, are you going to church? No, she, yes. That is somebody who doesn't agree with the pastor and the pastor's stance on all that. And for a month, she goes and she fellowships and she gets along and she doesn't cause trouble, yet she keeps her conviction, but she stays in church. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's better than the guy or the gal that thinks they've got all the answers. Everybody's wrong except them. And if you're not wrong, it just means you're not wrong yet because they're going to find something 
and that's going to be it. And then that's the way it goes. And what I don't want to be, I'm on the other side of it now. What I don't want to be is, look, typically it is all the churches do all this holiday stuff and the people don't, that don't agree, you know what they're expected to do? Come and be sweet and fellowship and just have a good time agreeing with the things you agree with. But when it is flipped, we should be able to do the same thing. Because we are going to have people that come now or will come in the future or are visiting now or will visit in the future that will not see eye to eye on all this. So what's the solution? Blast them! No, that's not the solution. The solution is chill out. Chill out. Why don't you take them out for a cup of coffee? Why don't you go hand out some tracks with them? Why don't you have them over and maybe do a little prayer? Uh, you know, five, ten minutes of prayer, a little Bible study. Why don't you do the things that Christians mostly do that you find in the Bible? Right? The idea isn't to just blast people. The idea is we've got a Bible. Is it our final authority or is it not? If we're all trying to learn and study and fall in love with the author of this book, that puts us all on the wheel going the right way. And that's where we all want to be. If someone isn't up to speed, they don't need to be. And we don't need to force them to be up to speed. I am not here to get you on my side. I am on the Lord's side. I'm going to try to preach the Bible and leave it at that. And I think we should inculcate that culture here, if that makes sense, where we're not trying to get people, don't try to get people on your side. You live your life for God and you do what you know to be true. Out of the heart. We need to be careful. Out of the heart. First Corinthians 13, verse 3. You don't have to turn there. Your Bible says, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profits me nothing charity is the most important thing I have a lot of friends who are pastors guess why because they've helped me out and I'm a pastor now and you know what if you put us all in the same room and we talk long enough we're all going to have something we see a little bit different. You know what that's called? Normal. Anybody here married? <laughs> Anybody here have kids? Anybody here have family? I'm telling you. Look, I grew up with good memories from good parents. My parents are still married. You know how rare that is nowadays? You know how rare that is? Yeah, but they do the pagan holidays. They're still married. <laughs> like, what's more important? 
you see the perspective we're trying to get? And the problem we run into sometimes is, look, we're a church that runs on some real high octane of Bible. We're a church that's going to go verse by verse. We're not going to shy away from something or run from something because we feel it might offend somebody. We're just going to do all the counsel of God and let the chips fall where they may. That's, that's what we're doing. And there's going to come a time when there's going to be some rubs. You can't get away from it. We should not allow this to be a fellowship breaker or a deal breaker or make anybody feel like they're less saved because they don't do it the way you do it. Not how relationships work. I had good memories. Do you know that, that if, if, and, if you, and if you had good memories with it as a child or a dad, you know what? That makes it harder to have the conversation with your loved ones because they are thinking that you're saying that they're pagan. And you need to send a message to them that that is not what we are saying. And the way we handled it, we handled it wrongly. Some of the right ways we handled it was healthy conversations, a letter. I mean, now it's email, but either way, so that they get an understanding of why and where your heart is. So it's not just you blurting information to them and them left to just dodge the bullets. Now you have the other side of it. If you grew up in a family that was complete dysfunction and the holidays was just another day for everybody to get together and get sloppy drunk and end up somebody fighting, guess what you're not going to want to do? You're looking for a sermon against holidays. <laughs> Give me a reason to not have to go to that party. <laughs> you, you see how it works? Your past experiences mold who you are they mold who i am and how we perceive and process things last verse first peter i hope this has been helpful to you first peter chapter one first peter chapter one we had somebody come and they don't they were coming for a little bit. Don't come no more. Says, now really, really like your stance in the King James Bible. Really like your stance in the holidays. And I have to stop. And I said, you know, okay, holidays fine. But I said, we have sweet folks to come to Pilgrim that don't see eye to eye with me on that issue. And basically saying, are you going to be able to love them and get along with them and witness to Jesus for them? What am I saying? We have some real high standards on look. We're not, we need to be in, we need to be locked arm in arm. Somebody starts preaching works-based salvation. <laughs> Fire alarm. We get to some of these other tertiary things. We need to step back, extend some grace, remember where we were at, and know this. I'm not right on everything. You ain't right on everything. This is why we try, minus tonight's sermon, to be in the Bible over and over and over and over again. Men make mistakes. Women make mistakes. And it's easy, kids, it's easy for you to criticize your parents. Well, I don't like that rule. I don't think we should have this for dinner. I think we should do it this way. 
And all that changes when you become a parent. Because <laughs> now you're on the other side. You don't get to be the critic. You get to be the one that's criticized. Well, I think we should stay up later. Too bad. It just depends on what side of it is you're on. Let's have a good, good attitude. First Peter chapter 1, verse number 22. Bible says, Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. Can you love your brother? Can you love your sister? If you got convicted about not putting a Christmas tree up or having a big egg hunt in your front yard. And you go over their house and you see that they got a tree up. Can you love can you love them? With unfeigned love. Can you do that? See that ye love one another. With a pure heart. Fervently. Why? Being born again. Not a corruptible seed. But of incorruptible. By the word of God. Which liveth and abideth forever. You've been born again. I've been born again. Can we love each other? You don't hear much about Epaphras in the Bible. But you find out in Colossians. In the fourth chapter. He's a fervent laborer. He was a fervent guy. We also find out about Epaphras that he was, he's also called a faithful minister and a fellow servant. And in Philemon, he's called a fellow prisoner. You got a guy who's got a heart that's full of fervent love for the brethren. He labors with them. He ministers to them. And the guy goes to jail with you. We need more Epaphras that just love the brethren. With a pure heart. You think a Epaphras saw eye to eye with Paul and everything? That'd be a no. That'd be a no. It's impossible. You read on our doctrinal statement. On the website. You read all that tonight. And you're going to find out what is most important. And what we want everybody locking arms with. Those are the most important things. All this tertiary stuff is all, look, we're a Bible, we're, we're, we're a Bible church, a Bible preaching church that runs multiple services during the week. You got three on Sunday, one on dirt. You got four messages. And most of the people that are coming are saved. How many times are you going to give them Romans 6.23? How many times are you going to give them 1 Corinthians one through five. I mean, it's how many times you're going to get them? Titus three, five. Look, John three, six. All those verses are great. Gospel needs to be the center. You know, that's the heartbeat from this pulpit. You know that. But look, we're coming here to learn the Bible. So that's why we go through these things. Not to try to get somebody on the preacher's side or not somebody on the preacher's side on all these things, but to teach the word of God and give people something to think about, pray about. And allow the Holy Spirit to work in 